Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Well, speaking of sex, that is what we're going to be talking about tonight and in the news everywhere. We're talking about hashtag MeToo, hashtag Time's Up. Enough with sexual abuse, sexual harassment of women. And the big question we're dealing with is, can you forgive a sexual harasser? And we are going to talk with an expert about all of that in just a moment. And here at Modern Love Training, we know that part of our transformation, part of our journey of love has everything to do with our capacity to confront our own experiences, to look at how we feel about ourselves, about others. And yes, yes, forgiveness is part of the journey of any relationship. But can you forgive somebody who's harassed you? So I challenge you, visit me at www.drbrendaway.com or come in person to one of our Modern Love trainings here in our Modern Love Training Center and learn about the journey of love. The number one reason for divorce is people are not prepared for a long-term intimate commitment. And when people actually do premarital coaching, guess what? There's a 50% drop in divorce for those people who are, in fact, trained So I cannot say enough about the value of training, and you don't have to come to our trainings, but for God's sake, go to a qualified, scientifically-based training, which ours is, and get educated about love. That's how you create the love life you want. And we have such a training coming up. Mark your calendar right now, April 14th, Saturday, April 14th, from 10 to six, we have a live full day training with a sex expert, Dr. Snyder, who's going to be joining us from New York. We will be talking about the important topic, what mama couldn't tell you about love and sex, seven secrets you need now for deep, healthy passion and love. So take action. You can go to Eventbrite and register right now for that live training, and it will change everything when you understand why we struggle with love, why we struggle with our sex lives, and why those things could, in fact, be so much easier, so much better, so much more fulfilling. So very quickly, I'm going to take our dear Dr. Brenda question, keep those questions coming. question says, my sister-in-law, Abby's lifestyle is extravagant. She has an annual income of half a million dollars plus perks. She's in her 40s. She's been divorced for 10 years, 
lives in a very luxurious condo with her boyfriend. Everything she does is, quote, first class. I earn 50000 a year. My wife and I have a nice home, and in a, we have a pool, and she drops a top-of-the-line car, and we enjoy sailing on our small boat. I've never had what my sister has, and every time my wife visits Abby, she charges things we can't afford trying to keep up. I know, I know we're moving apart, and I don't know what to do. I love my wife, and it hurts. It says that up in Modesto. Okay, look, Modesto. So important for you to understand that the real issue here isn't money. It isn't things. It isn't what your sister has and what your wife thinks she doesn't have. It's how she feels about herself. And if you are, and I am having to guess here because you're as you're moving apart, there must be conflict. The real conversation you want to have with your wife is what do you and I need to do so that you feel loved and safe and good about yourself, whether you're with your sister or alone with me. That's actually with her sister-in-law or alone with you. So this is about deeper conversations, and if things are at a point where you're moving apart, look, communication isn't something you're born knowing how to do. It's something you're trained to do. You are the perfect candidate, you and your wife, to come to one of our month-long, excuse me, once-a-month trainings. It's a day-long training, and learn about this. So I invite you to do that. Hit me back and we will get you registered so that you can learn how to communicate in a way that you don't fight about issues. You actually solve them. All right, so let me tell you about our guest. The Me Too movement has encouraged more women to speak out about sexual harassment that they have suffered. But Dr. Jean Sanner says women still need to do even more. Some would say... She has a very controversial take on this issue. She feels that women, for their own sake, need to learn to forgive their sexual harassers, the Bill O'Reilly's, the Harvey Weinstein's, the Charlie Rose's, who betrayed their trust. Jean says that it's important for women who've been victimized to change their own perceptions of the event and to stop condemning the men. That is very, very Controversial, Jean says she was raped by a stranger, and she told herself he may have controlled my body, but he will never have control of my life. She took back her power by choosing love over fear. She's the author of the upcoming book, Finding Unconditional Love, A Little Piece at a Time. Jean is a doctorate in spiritual studies, a master's in education, and a bachelor's degree in psychology. I'll tell you now, her website is Jean Sanner Love. So, Jean, talk to us. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Brenda. And uh, I want to say that the training that the training event that you're talking about it sounds wonderful. I, I hope a lot of people choose to attend that because there's so much, so much fear and uh, self doubt when it comes to sexual um, health. You know, so that's, I, I hope that that goes well. Um, but yes, I'm glad to join you today. So tell us a little about your own journey. What led you to write a book 
about unconditional love and how we find it a little piece at a time. I love the title. I love the title because it is, you know, most people think I fall in love. No, you don't fall in love. You actually, this is one of the key precepts. I'm sure you'll already recognize that in our trainings is that unconditional love is something you build one step at a time. Yes. So what, yes. start at the beginning. What was your, your journey like before you had this, this event that could have been a complete catastrophe? Well, uh, there were several several things that happened. One is my father was abusive, uh, psychologically, emotionally, and was sexually inappropriate. And in my early teens, I was struggling terribly with how to forgive. Um, and so I went through a process um, my spiritual mentor, because I was raised Christian, is Jesus, though many people would have Buddha or Muhammad or whatever. You know, you could be a saint, there could be a saint, whatever is your source of spiritual inspiration and your mentor. And um, so then I was, I was struggling with forgiveness, and I was led to go to the four Gospels and read what Jesus did with forgiveness and find out what the, what the solution was well the irony is that there was a shocker there jesus never forgave mm, and what i found out yes what so i found out was motivation, uh-huh. your motivation for this was wanting to forgive your own father for crossing yes. boundaries sexually and being abusive so that's a powerful motivator how old were you when you started uh, i was around 14 yeah i was around 14 and 15 and and what what i discovered was that that jesus never forgave he always said your sins are forgiven and what came from that was he never forgave because he never judged he never condemned so there was no so need were you to in forgive a place at that time were you in a place at that time where you felt judgment and condemnation towards your father for abusing oh, yeah. you yeah. Oh, and yeah. that's pretty normal. Oh, yeah. I want to say that to anybody who is facing abuse. It is very normal to feel oh, yeah. I was very anger, resentment, and the worst of all, and I'm sure, Jean, you must have felt this as well, that on some level it was your fault, that you brought this on oh, yourself. Yeah. I have never met anyone who suffered abuse who didn't internalize it on some level and feel bad about themselves as a result. Well, I even my dad. Uh, and I yeah, my, and I absolutely decided there was something wrong with me. So I can yeah. relate 100%. So you were going well, through that deep struggle that many of our listeners can relate to of feeling the resentment, feeling the, yes. the self-condemnation. And, of course, I don't know about you, but I got to the point I would actually say that I hated my parents because they were so abusive. Well, yeah, I, hate, I, I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I hated my dad. Plus, he also said, look what you did to me. Um, so not only did I have my own doubts about what I did, which was nothing, he laid the whole uh, responsibility on me. But what came from that, uh, which oh, was very, very Now, hold on for a second, because that is such a powerful thing. We want to just, because there are lots of people on this journey, and we want Uh every one of you who are listening to know you're not alone 
And this is one of the most twisted things that happens when there is sexual abuse or any kind of abuse. Somehow the abuser makes the victim feel it's their fault. And so what Jean is saying right now, many of you will recognize if you had an abuser, they made you think it was your fault. If you had, whether it was somebody at work or whether it was a parent or whether it was, you know, a boyfriend or whoever the abuser was, let us be clear that this is a manipulative tactic where the abuser lets themselves off the hook by telling you it's your fault. And, and then, again, Jean, you know this as well as I do. So often when someone has the courage to finally speak up, especially if it's sexual abuse, people will say things like, well, she shouldn't have been wearing those, those boots, or she wore a short skirt, or, gee, what did she do to provoke it? Or, gee, are you trying to say you're a victim? I mean, I've heard it all, and for every single person who's listening, you didn't cause it. You are not in any way responsible for the other person's abusive behavior. I don't care what they told you or what others have said to you. We, I spent years battling uh, when I chaired the Human Rights Commission of San Francisco, battling for women who have been abused to not believe the abuser telling them that they caused it somehow. And then to have our legal system, when women did finally speak up, the legal system would blame the victim. Whether it was sexual abuse, physical abuse, it was always the woman's fault. So that is at the core of hashtag me too, hashtag times up. And we need to absolutely air this out, Gene, so everybody gets what it means to be victimized and to be manipulated. Well, I agree. The the important thing is, though, that we need to get beyond it. Um, well, well, I don't want to jump so fast. Now, I, I agree with you oh, okay. that we need healing, but okay. I don't want to jump or we okay. leave people with the sense that their feelings don't matter or that the manipulation they've been through isn't real. I really want people to take in this part of our conversation because often we do jump. We jump to the solution before we really process what has happened, before we say that was wrong and that person had no right to touch me like that or do that to me. So we're going to get to the solution, and that's important. But before we get there, part of the solution is dealing with your feelings. It's dealing with what happened. Because if you try to get there too fast, it's like putting frosting over Poo-poo. It doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Jean, on your own journey, on your own journey, the feeling that finally got you to the place that you were seeking relief, what was that process like for you? Because it is a process, everybody, that we hit that suddenly turns feelings off and on. It's a process. Well, yeah, it is a process, and I turned to the source that I trusted the most and um, learned that, first of all, if we're in a position 
that we're having to forgive somebody, we have first condemned them. So then I was having this internal conversation with, well, of course I've condemned him. He deserves to be condemned. His behavior is worthy of condemnation, etc. Um, so exactly, and that's an important distinction that you just made. Mm-hmm. The behavior yeah. needs to be condemned. It mm-hmm. is worthy of condemnation. That's very important. That distinction. Keep going, Jane. I like where you're headed. Oh, okay. Well, but uh, but I'm headed toward a solution because I was. That's where I was. That's what my process led me to. Um, oh. The most the the most um, significant revelation in this internal conversation that I was having with my spiritual mentor um, was what was said on the cross, which is so appropriate for the Easter season, um, and he corrected the the voice that was in me corrected what was on what was said on the cross um and i had never heard it before and have not heard it since but he didn't say father forgive them for they know not what they do he said father forgive them for they know not who they are mm-hmm. and if we realize that we are the children of god then we don't do these things. But the things that come from people that are not godly or loving, it's because they don't realize the truth of who they are. And the truth of who we all are, based on my philosophy and what has led me to my peace and joy. Because what's important here, when you talk about people not knowing who they are, this gets us Mm -hmm. into the conversation about what causes abuse. Who are abusers? Who are the people who hurt other people, who commit sexual harassment, who commit sexual crimes, who commit abuse against others? And what I found in my years of doing training and teaching around the world, that most abusers were themselves abused. They were themselves abandoned. They were themselves rejected. And many of them internalize, even some of the very, very powerful people who have publicly been held to account, the Harvey Weinsteins, the Charlie Roses, the, the Matt Lowers, the people who are so powerful, many of them, because of some early wound, became narcissistic, began to believe they had the right to hurt other people, began to believe that if this is all they deserved, how could anyone else deserve anything better? Because, you know, once again, don't, don't let me go on and on here, but the brain gets programmed. You know, people grow up with abuse. They believe that's the only thing that's possible. I was leading a class for men who had been court-ordered into a program by a judge here in San Francisco, the very first diversion program for people convicted of white battering. So here I am in a room full of men who are wife batterers, and the judge in his wisdom, thank God, gave me a seven-foot-one parole probation <laughs> officer to sit in the room with me because I would have been more than a little nervous had that big guy not been in the sure. room as my protection. But what I learned, when I started looking at their genogram, where they came from, 90% of the people in that room had grown up being abused children or 
watching their parents, the mother, being abused by the father. So the Mm -hmm. brain gets programmed at an early age. So important, once again, that the victim not make herself responsible for the harasser, the abuser's behavior. And I'm a big fan of forgiveness, but it's a process. It's not a one-off. It's a process. And I know that it takes work to process it all, to process the feelings, to get to the point. Because the real breakthrough for my batterers, at the same time I was running groups in a shelter for battered women, the real breakthrough for both groups was to be able to say this was so hurtful to me. This was so deeply wounding to me. I have a right to talk about my feelings. I have a right to process my feelings. I deserve help with my feelings, and I deserve protection. And to get to a point when these guys could break down and cry about what they'd done, I knew they were on the road to healing. Mm-hmm. And then the final, final step was they had to forgive themselves and ask forgiveness of the victim. And most of them were court-ordered not to go near the victim. So we did a letter writing. And in the letter it said, you do not have to forgive me until you have had a chance to heal. So nobody feels they're being forced to take a step they're not ready for. So having said Mm -hmm. all that, that's because I know there are a lot of people with us who are going, well, do I just listen to what Jesus said and all of a sudden I can hit a switch and I can do this? Probably not. Probably not. It takes some work. It's something to Well, it took me years, head so I have to say. I mean, it, it, yes, Good. it's a process, and it, and it takes years because you feel like you, you take one step forward and then something happens and it triggers you and you're back to where you were before and then you have to start off over and then you go through it again. And so, yeah, it, it, it took years. Tell us but, more about your process, Jean. Tell us more about the having to start over and the one step back and what were some of the things that triggered you when you were working through your process? Um, the controlling element that I would, I would try to forgive dad and then he would do something again and then, then I would forgive that and then he would do something else and then I'd have to start all over again. But each time that I succeeded in seeing him differently uh, and seeing his pain and seeing his fear and, you know, trying to walk in his moccasins, uh, as my mother used to say, she was part Cherokee, um, you know, then each time it became easier and easier. But then years later he would do something else and it would trigger it all over again and I'd have to go through the process again. But each time I went through it, it became easier and easier because I would keep reminding myself that he wasn't seeing the truth of who he was and I needed to see the truth of who he was so that I would not be subject to the abuse. Um, so the, the process now, what happened with the rape was huge. And I think it was all of the work with the forgiveness of my father that made the difference now, in what happened that, with the rape. Yeah. How old were you when that happened? That's when the rape happened, I was uh, 19. 
Oh, yeah. my God. So you were and at that young. time, I was a virgin. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was one of the only virgins in college at that time, but that's okay. Um, you know, so what had happened was I had gone to a different state with my cousin. She was meeting with her um, fiancé who was in the military and was going to be sent overseas at the time. And so I wanted to give them a little privacy. So what did I do at 2 o'clock in the morning? To go down to the pool at this motel in I didn't know, which was not a wise decision, but that doesn't mean I'm still deserving of being raped. Um, so, but anyway, when I finally got home, young uh-huh. girls, young girls, young women in a new setting that you're not familiar with, you're thinking you're doing your friend a favor. You're not thinking, gee, I have to be cautious to be on my guard. There could be a rapist out there. There are lots of young women. Right realize there's a danger. So please, you know, I'm glad you were able to let yourself off the hook that you didn't deserve it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So um, what happened after that, and I didn't report it at that time, you know, women got blamed. If you got raped, you deserved it. Um, So I came back home and I had been raised in the country and nobody ever locked their doors or anything else like that. And I had never locked my door. And I'll never forget that I was getting ready to go to bed um, at home for the first night that I was back. And I found myself going to the front door to lock it. And I put my hand on the lock. And that's where I stopped. That was that was a crossroads in my life. And I decided, yes, you controlled my body, but you're not going to control my life. I am going to continue to live in love instead of fear. You're not going to contaminate my life with fear. So I went to bed with the door unlocked. Um, that was huge for me. I'm not suggesting that anybody else do that. But what, what but the rape did was bring me to a crossroads of decision. Mm-hmm. And the work you had already done, the forgiveness work you'd already done, this, this, this is a very powerful thing. And I really want to acknowledge, Eugene, that you're offering the highest level spiritual breakthrough. And it doesn't matter, as you said earlier, what spiritual path you're on or no spiritual path. This right. is a philosophy. It's a way of saying, I'm going to live my life as a whole person and a whole being and I'm going to hold on to myself no matter what has happened out here in my life I am still I am still if you have a spiritual path you can say I'm still that God being I'm still that light being I am still that energy being that other person is also an energy being a child of God whatever terms work for you or just that person is a huge Man being a broken one, a wounded one, mm-hmm. a one, one whose behavior deserves condemnation. But whatever journey that other person is on, I'm not going to get stuck hating that person. It was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said yesterday was the 50th anniversary of his assassination. And one of his most powerful statements that I dearly love is don't ever let someone bring you down so low that you hate them. Right. 
I think you were. Yeah, we have a choice between mm-hmm. love and fear. Those are the only two emotions. All other emotions stem from those two in my philosophy. And I get to choose every second of every day whether I'm going to come from love or fear. And all anger, hatred, uh, prejudice, you know, attack, condemnation, all comes from fear. The, the thing that concerns me with the Me Too events is that, yes, they've been victimized, but I hope and pray they do not choose to, we don't have to stay a victim. Um, and I hope and pray that they get beyond the condemnation well, hold on, because... Hold on, because uh, I want to reframe okay. the thing. I want to reframe okay. how you're... I would say, and I want to be very clear to all of our listeners, I would say okay. you don't get... I would say you give up staying a victim. Instead, I would say that you work through your healing process. You work through the fact that you were victimized and that you are working toward shifting that whole experience. And it does take work. It does take support. I hope and pray you have support to get where you want to go to feel whole again, to feel good about yourself again. And forgiveness, again, I have to say it is a part of the healing process, but it's a long, deep process and Mm -hmm. there isn't for me isn't such a thing as just getting beyond it's a working it through with support well okay yeah and i i would agree with that um in my saying get beyond that means go through the process that you need to go through so that you can be free from the event that it's no longer um it is no no longer impacting you negatively. Um, the rape turned out to be an event that actually changed my life for the better. Not that I wish I wish I could have learned that lesson a different way. You know, I, I'm sorry I had to go through it that way. But I can't. I'm um, sorry you went through because nobody deserves that. But what you did, and we only have just a minute left, what you did was you took something that was very negative, very hurtful, very painful, and you were able to do the work of personal transformation. Because at the end of the day, when we do work on our personal transformation, our personal growth, our spiritual growth, everything that we've been through becomes a lesson, becomes an opportunity to learn and grow. So, Jean, you get the last word. We're going to sign off here. What would you like to leave us with? And everyone, once again, let me give you, let me give you Jean's website so that you can go there. And I do believe this book is going to be very valuable. It's Jean, that's J-E-A-N-N-E, Sanner, S-A-N-N-E-R, dot love. That's her website. So do go. We are big fans here at Modern Love, Radio Modern Love Training, at reading, studying, learning, getting, but being. And this journey of personal transformation is what leads to great love. So, Jeannie, what would you like to lead us with? I would just love to say that I, I hope everyone chooses love over fear whenever they have a chance.
Thank you so much. And we do want to live with love and work through and heal and transform ourselves so that we can hold that love. And I do believe it is the greatest healing power. So thank you so much, Jean, for illuminating a really complex, really difficult issue that so many of we women have been through. I frankly haven't met a woman anywhere who hasn't been through some version of Me Too, Time's Up, harassment, abuse, uh, because women have been held in the most degrading way for such a long time. And we are rising up, and it is time for all those men who are conscious to also let their voices be heard, that we are going to honor the feminine. And I'm going to close with Mary McLeod Bethune's quote that I love so much. And Mary McLeod Bethune came out of the cotton fields of the South where she was enslaved as a child to become the education advisor to four presidents to found colleges and universities and schools, especially for young girls and young women of African descent. And she said, women deserve to be honored and respected because they can bring forth life and they make life worth living. I leave you with that. Take action now. Go to Eventbrite. Register yourself for that one-day live training, which is what mom couldn't tell you about love and sex, five, excuse me, seven secrets you wish you knew to create deep peace, health, and love. All right. Thank you to our executive producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning. To all you modern lovers, blessings, 